All right, so today we are going to be uh, starting a new little series that I'm going to uh, talk through and walk through for the next uh, three or four weeks. And I'm going to call it, I'm calling it Making Friends. Making Friends. There are three reasons why I want to look at what Scripture has to say about this topic and why I want to look at the supreme, incredible life of Jesus and see what he says about how we can make better friends. Three reasons. The first is that all of us benefit when relationships are stronger. All of us need to be able to go to somewhere where someone knows our name, right? That's what made Cheers so popular. It was all about relationships. All of us need, when it hasn't been our day, week, month, or year, someone who'll be there for us, right? That was the basis of the TV show, Friends, right? We all benefit from making friends. Second reason I want to talk about this is that we seem to be doing a pretty poor job of making friends, right? We're okay with people we like, and we're okay with people who kind of feed us, but increasingly, we have an incredibly hard time with making friends of people who are different from us. Right? It's not a political statement because it happens on both sides of the aisle, right? Third reason is that it is through relationships that everything that God wants to give us flows through. Our God is a God of love and grace and peace and mercy and accountability and all this good stuff. But the way that that manifests itself to us is through relationships. We need relationships. We're not very good at relationships. And we need to get better because everything important happens through relationships. Make sense? So I want to talk about how we make friends. If you have your Bible, turn to John chapter 4. If you want to follow along on version, you can do that. Click on events and church together. And as always, you have some bonus notes and quotes in there. The first thing we learn from this interaction is that Jesus prioritizes people. Jesus prioritizes people. People. As the story develops, we see how he befriends a lady that he should have had nothing to do with. And there's some very practical things in that story that we can learn about making friends. But first of all, we must realize that Jesus prioritizes people. There are two ways that we see this in the first few verses. John chapter 4. Jesus knew that the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. 
So he left Judah, Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Jesus prioritizes people. The first way that we see that is because there is starting to happen the discussion that begins in every classroom, in every social activity that you go into, and most office buildings. People are trying to figure out what the pecking order is. Who's the most important? Where do I rank? And Jesus says, I don't want anything to do with that competition. Because in that competition, the winners lose because their ego and their arrogance rises. And the losers lose because they feel ostracized. Jesus is walking away from a competition that he doesn't care for because he prioritizes people more than the competition. The competition is all about who's baptizing the most. And Jesus says, that's not my deal. That's not my game. That's not my thing. I'm prioritizing people. Yesterday, we had a soccer game with uh, the team that I coach. And about halfway through the game, I have a question about a call that the referee has made. So I go to the field assistant and I say, hey, can you explain this to me? because I thought an injustice had been done. And this kid who was 16 told me about soccer who had been following soccer like way longer than he'd been alive, right? So when he gives me this comment, I'm starting to size him up, right? You're a 16-year-old. I'm a lot older than you. I'm in that chain. So the referee sees us talking, and we were talking. <laughs> and he joins our conversation. And all of a sudden, the referee starts to think that he's above me in the pecking order, right? As the conversation continues, the coach from the other team walks up as well, and we have this four-way conversation that I started, my bad, that's going nowhere because we've forgotten that we're talking about the game and the kids, and we're trying to establish the pecking order, right? Who knows the most here? And you know what? It did not solve the problem. <laughs> Jesus is wise enough that he walks away from the pecking order conversation because he knows that conversation isn't going to get him anywhere and he's prioritizing people, right? Jesus prioritizes people. He wasn't even doing the baptizing, right? He, he, he supports people so much that he's giving them the privilege of doing the baptizing because he prioritizes People. He wants to get away, verse 3. So he walks away from this competition, left Judea, and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Let me tell you a little bit of geography and then a little bit of history. The geography 
is that, uh, where was he going? Uh, Galilee is like northeast. And Judea, where he was, is southwest. Right in the middle of this journey was this place called Samaria. What was the geography? The history is that Samaria was not a place where Jews went because of a political problem that dated back hundreds and hundreds of years. And there were still some Jews in Samaria, but these Jews were frowned upon, pushed to the side, pushed to the fringes. No one liked him. No one had anything to do with him. To be seen with one of these people from Samaria, the Samaritans equated to social death. But Jesus prioritizes people. And so, whereas every other Jew, in order to get from uh, southwest to northeast, would go all the way outside and around, Jesus just cuts right through the middle. Because Jesus doesn't want to play these silly, historical, old, political games that separate. He's going right through the middle because he prioritizes people. Jesus prioritizes people. And while he's there at the well, he meets this lady. Now this lady, by all accounts, is not someone that Jesus should have spoken to. First of all, because she was a lady and worse than that, she was a lady of ill repute. She was a lady who'd been a victim. And some of the hurt and some of the scars and some of the pain of being that me too lady had caused her to do some, some desperate and some difficult things. She was mocked. She was cursed. She was scarred. Jesus, the rabbi, should have had nothing to do with her just because she was a lady. But she was also a Samaritan. She was also on the other side of the fence. But Jesus prioritizes people. And so he starts to engage this lady. He says... Um, Ma'am, it's really hot. Could you please get me some water? And again, some could say that this was just a classic case of male dominance and Jesus kind of buying into that. But really, he was breaking down the barriers. He was empowering her. He, he was saying, you're over here and I'm over here, but I got I to gotta start this conversation somehow. Let's talk about something that makes sense and, and there's something that, that you can do to me. I want to give you some, some dignity. To, so let's start to talk. This lady has a different understanding of what Jesus is doing here. And she puts her hands up and she says, absolutely not. You're a Jew. I am a Samaritan. How dare you ask me for something? Jesus is saying, let's be friends. And she's saying, hey, we can't be friends. 
People aren't going to let us be friends. Our social conventions say that we shouldn't uh, get along. You're a guy. I'm a girl. You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. We need to keep each other at a distance. But Jesus isn't interested in distance. He's not interested in the social conventions that separate because he prioritizes people and he loves all people. And in doing so, I think he teaches us an incredible lesson about relationships. He's saying that if you are going to follow me, you need to develop friendship that invite the outsiders in And also, you need to have friendships that call the insiders out. We need to develop relationships that look at those on the fringes and say, hey, come on in. And we also need to be involved with relationships with people who are like us and say, hey, we can't just stay here anymore. We have to uh, go out We've got to cross over these divides, over these these barriers, because because if we're going to follow God, we've got to prioritize people. We've got to prioritize all people. It's very interesting that this lady and Jesus were alone. Verse eight, it says, he was alone at the time because the disciples were going to the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. How can you ask me for a drink? Walls were put up and Jesus was wanting to bring them down. Jesus replied, verse 10, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would actually ask me and I would give you living water. One of the things that's unfortunate about this situation and we make this problem all the time is that the lady wasn't thinking about the return that she would get from doing this simple task. If she'd have got this water, in return, she would have received a living water that comes from the wellspring of heaven that would have satisfied and forgiven and given her a new life. She eventually drinks this living water, but initially her first response was, there is nothing in it for me to help you, so I'm not going to. If we want to make a difference, if we want to prioritize people, we need to think more about what some of the return on our relational investments. For us to love people on the fringes, to us to love people differently from us, there is a benefit not just for them, but for us as well. Not only do they change, but we change as well. She was missing the ROI as she built this wall that separates higher. The first thing that Jesus is teaching us about relationships 
is that we have a responsibility to invite the outsiders in and say to the insiders, you need to go reach and help and serve and love and lift up those on the outside. What's ironic about this whole situation was the whole Old Testament, when God was being identified among his people, they said, this is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And you know where this lady is standing? By Jacob's well. She follows the same God, but even though they follow the same God, they've ostracized her. She's really on the same team as them. But they've said, you're different. And Jesus says, no, 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 if we're on the same team, if we're believing in me, if we're drinking and wanting and desiring the living water I have to offer, we gotta get on the same page. The first thing that Jesus says, because he prioritizes people, is that we need to be about developing friendships that invite outsiders in and calling insiders out. Man, that is so hard. Because the outsiders say something that offends us. And we want to fight back. And we want to build walls. And we want to prove we're right. And we want to develop our own pecking order. But if we're going to live for Jesus, and if we're going to live like Jesus, we need to figure out how to love people who are different from us. What's, what's interesting, so you got Galilee down uh, up here, right? And you got Judea down here, and you got Samaria in the middle. A lot of the people who lived in Samaria were people who were from the fringes of these other places, right? That as the towns and the cities grew, the people they didn't like in their own camp, they pushed uh, towards each other. So Mary was made up of people on the fringes and Jesus says, you got to make friends and you got to love people on the fringes. They were alone. Sometimes all that making, sometimes making friends with people on the fringes is the best that we can do. You know, more than needing our money, more than needing our, our help, the best way that we can help people different from us is just by offering our friendship. Jesus prioritizes people, and that means inviting the outsiders in and challenging the insiders to go out. The conversation continues. Verse 15. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water that will never make me thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Jesus said to her in the midst of this conversation about water, go get your husband. All of a sudden the conversation gets very, very awkward, right? They've been having this bridge building conversation about water, about needing it, about wanting it, about living water. It seems like she's just about to get some water. But then Jesus makes things even more awkward. He says, go tell your husband. 
And at that moment, something inside of this lady that was starting to grow and to starting to develop would have fallen because she knew about her past. She, she knew about her sin and about her shame. She, she, she knew that, well, she'd had a lot of husbands. And that the guy she was with at the moment wasn't a husband. And she was ashamed of that. A part of me thinks, hang on, Jesus, you're trying to win this woman to yourself. You're having this great conversation. You've reached out to someone different than you. Why are you making it so hard for her? And again, some would say that Jesus was making a power play. That Jesus was trying to put himself at the top of the pecking order. Saying, I'm special, you're not, you got shame in your life. But that's not what Jesus does, because Jesus prioritizes people, right? I think what Jesus is saying is actually the opposite. He's saying, I love you so much that this awkwardness and this pain inside of you, let's deal with that. All that hurt, all that rejection, all that shame that you felt from being mistreated and abused, Let's get rid of that. I think in doing so, he shows us a second thing that is so vital in our friendships. Not only do we need to invite the outsiders in, but we need to develop friendships where awkward conversations are robbed of their awkwardness. One of the problems with so many of the relationships that we develop right now is that we're only prepared to develop relationships with people who are like us. Which basically means that we have this tendency to surround ourselves with yes men. Which basically means we have people around us who are affirming everything about us even when some of the things about us aren't very nice. Real friendships have to go to awkward and difficult conversations. Because if we don't address the awkwardness, if we don't talk about the elephant in the room, if we don't go to those places of hurt and pain, then that hurt and that pain is never going to be healed. And the needs that we have are never going to be addressed. Jesus isn't, isn't poking the bed to be mean. He's not doing it to assert some super superiority. He's doing it because he genuinely really loves people. Let me tell you that if you are in a relationship and at times that relationship has not got hard or difficult or threatening or awkward, then it's a pretty shallow relationship. Because we need people around us who are prepared to make things a little bit awkward so that we can address some real brokenness inside of us and receive the healing that we have. Man, I'm horrible at this. I hate this. I just want people to get along and be nice. We had this problem in, in our house on Friday that uh, the Tico gas were laying some... Uh, new pipes six feet down. 
And in doing that process, they broke our sewer line, which meant that all of our sewer backed up and kind of came out. (laughs) (laughs) And so I see all these men working outside, all these big, tough, manual labor kind of guys who I don't have much in common with (laughs) because of that. And I went, guys, we got a problem. And the conversation had to get really awkward, but it had to get really awkward so that they could fix the problem and we could start to clean up the sewer that was in my house. The reality is sometimes we have to have those awkward conversations, right, in order to clean up the sewer in our lives. Man, and it's messy and it's hard. But I'm so glad I had that awkward conversation. (laughs) Because if I hadn't had that awkward conversation, we'd still be having sewer in our home. Second thing Jesus teaches us about making friends is that you got to be prepared. We got to be prepared to have awkward conversations. And you know the good news is that once we become better and good at having difficult conversations, awkward conversations become a whole lot less awkward. It's a, it's a skill that we can develop, yet we've run away from it. Jesus says, if you want to make friends, invite those on the outside and in. And secondly, don't shy away from awkward conversations. Because it's awkward conversations sometimes are the best way to show love and to bring healing. Can I say it? (laughs) To get rid of some of that crap that's in our life. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus says you're right. How very affirming of him. (laughs) You have five husbands and you aren't even married. To the men you are living with now, you certainly spoke the truth. Then comes the point of what Jesus was getting at. Sir, you must be a prophet. She's starting to feel a little bit defensive now. She realizes that she's, he has spoken some truth into her life. And so she says, so, so tell me if you're doing something that's in the God realm, answer this God question for me. Why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it's here on Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshipped? Jesus opens a God conversation and she doesn't have much to give to that God conversation but she gives the little she knows about God and she tries to to fight against this political uh, fight again, this ownership question. I love what Jesus did. He doesn't want to build a pecking order. He doesn't want to prove he's right. He just wants to love this lady. And so with great diplomacy and love, he says, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it no longer matter whether you worship your father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You know very little about the one who worship while we Jews know all about him for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it's now here, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. You know, this always happens when we get in awkward conversations, right? People get defensive. 
But Jesus doesn't play into a political side. He said, no, no, there's a, there's a, there's a third way. There's some truth. It's not about worshiping here or there. It's about, about worshiping God in spirit and in truth. I was with uh, Dr. Hunter the other day, and we were um, talking politics, which is a fascinating conversation because he's a Bible-believing evangelical who... Uh, uh, has had incredible influence within the Democratic Party. He's on both sides, right? And he said something that was profound, and I think Jesus is doing it here. He says, you can, you can take a stand without taking a side. You can take a stand without taking a side, and that's what Jesus is doing here. Right, This lady was trying to say, hey, Jesus, go on this side or go on this side, which is right. And, and he takes a stand. He's not ducking the issue, but he's not taking a side. And he said, that's not the issue at all. The issue is, is about you and God. It's about, about your faithfulness. We want to make friends. We've got to invite the outsiders in. If we want to make friends, we've got to have the awkward conversations. Thirdly, the conversation concludes with this woman trying to get out of things. It's almost like she says, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's in a version that no one's discovered yet. Verse 25. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us. That's her, get me out of this conversation. That's her, her shutdown, right? We all know about the shutdown, right? We've all given it. We've all experienced it. This is her shutdown. I don't want to talk anymore. But Jesus loves us so much that he's not going to let us shut her down. And he drops this incredible truth uh, bomb, this grace bomb into her life. He says, I am the Messiah. The one that you're talking about is standing right in front of you. And something happens to her. We don't know quite what, but somehow she changes. Somehow she moves from being this enemy of God to becoming this friend of God. And we know that she becomes a friend of God because she runs back into town, the very town where she has no reputation, where no one wants anything to do to, to do with her and said, I have met the Messiah. In fact, her, 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 her evangelism style is a little bit different from that. She says, I know a man who's told me everything about me, yet he still loved me. I, I've met a guy who knew everything about me, and I think he could be the Messiah. So she's going back into town, and the disciples come back to Jesus. And they're kind of going different ways at the same time. And the disciples see Jesus talking to this lady and they're saying, what on earth were you doing, Jesus? We don't talk to people like that. We, we don't engage with people with that kind of reputation. We, we want nothing to do with Samaritans. But look, we got you some food. And Jesus, with all the diplomacy of heaven, <laughs> says, I'm not about nourishing my stomach. I'm about nourishing souls. 
And that lady, she was really hungry for the soul nourishment that only I can give. The third thing that Jesus is teaching us about friendships here is not just that we have to invite the outsiders in. Not only do we have to have, where necessary, the awkward, healthy conversations, but he's saying that we need to be about friendships and relationships that dig deeper and go further. Jesus says, I, I, I'm, I'm maybe hungry. I'll take some of your food later. But, but by the way, that's not my primary concern. My primary concern is nourishing the soul. He says in verse 34, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. He's saying, I, I got I got one agenda here and it's to do the work of my father who loves everybody. And so I'm going to go to them. I'm going to have the difficult conversations which are essential for us to have because I got to do what my father wants me to do. Again, you read the story, the discipleship's they're afraid to confront Jesus. They've done that before and it always comes and slaps him in the face. But that proves the point that he's saying. He's saying to his disciples, there is somewhere deeper. There is a stronger level of relationship. There is more for you. There is an eternity of friendship that's, that's deeper and wider than you can ever imagine, but you're not getting it. And it's interesting that the lady is having that same kind of conversation with the people in her town. Shane, there's this guy who knew me, knew everything about me, but he still loved me. And she's helping her friends go deeper and go further. Both Jesus and the lady are wanting to take friends to the next level. They're always looking for that opportunity to go deeper and further in the friendship. That should be our goal as followers of Jesus as well. We should never be satisfied with friendships that involve the word nice or fine because those are empty words. How was the thing you went to? It was nice. Okay, good. See you later. There's nowhere we can go with that, right? How are you feeling? Fine. What do you do? Jesus was talking to disciples who were satisfied with nice and fine. And the lady was talking to people in the village who were satisfied with nice and fine. And they're both saying it ain't nice and it ain't fine because there's so much more for us. There's this eternal wellspring of life. There is the glory of God living inside of us, expressing itself through us. There are the purposes of heaven. And you want to settle for nice and fine. What a waste. What a loss. 
We live in a world that is divided, and sometimes the best we can do is say, well, you do your thing, and I'll do mine, and it'll all be nice and fine. But Jesus calls us to something better, to something deeper, to something richer. He says, make friends with people who aren't like you, and then you will experience the fullness of my kingdom. Have relationships that get awkward at times. Because if they're not awkward, you're surrounded by yes people, and yes people, they keep the sewer flowing into your house. Sorry, I won't use that metaphor again. I realize it's (laughs) totally gross, but it works, right? And thirdly, he says, I believe, don't settle for nice or fine when there is rich and deep available to you. It's when we move past nice and when we move past fine that friendship and relationship moves to the next level. I'm sure you're familiar with the book. I read it uh, last year for the first time in several years by Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And it was full of techniques. But the reality is, in our world and in our relationships today, techniques aren't the answer. If we want to win friends and influence people, the answer lies in building relationships with them. To invite the outsiders in and to say to the insiders, you need to move out and love. The way to win friends and influence people is by having the awkward conversations because that's what love does. The way to win friends and influence people as Jesus shows he's doing here is by calling people beyond nice and fine. But here's the kicker. You can only be a friend to people like this if you realize how loved you are by God. Because the reality is whatever differences exist between us and the person who is different from us is nothing compared to the difference between us and God. And God in his grace and in his goodness and in his glory said there is a huge difference between me and you. Some people don't think so, but there really is. And he says, I'm going to bridge that gap. I'm going to leave heaven and come to earth. I'm going to die the most ugly of deaths because that's what it's going to take to to reconcile you as an outsider to me. And if God can bridge this chasm and we are owning and living in that relationship with God, then we have no excuse to not try to bridge the relatively small differences between us and those who are different from us. Jesus invites us to make friends 
because he prioritizes people. If we are going to claim that we are followers of his, we have to make make friends too with those on the outside, with those that it is awkward to be friends with. And we need to make friends beyond the nice and the fine because God has bridged the gap for us.